Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the JT and Big O podcast. We are your host, Video Geek JT, and Ryan Big O'Regan. How are you doing, my friend? I am completely organized, as you can see. No more furniture up against the wall. <laughs> yes, you've actually organized everything this week. Yes, give or take a little bit of issues with uh, some pillows here and some, uh, you know, posters that I have, like uh, these old uh, Marvel cover things that I have from a calendar from, like, way back. But I want to <laughs> keep the pieces and maybe, like, splatter them up against the wall. So we'll see about whether or not I decorate it as such. But outside of that, all good. Very nice. At least your uh, stuff isn't falling off your walls, though. Uh yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I need to make sure that there's like enough room here so this way I can do additional oh, you... because acting is going to be getting underway eventually. And um, it's also one of those things where I don't want to necessarily have like completely bare walls because then it's just like bland except for this one little corner that I, I can only utilize. So God forbid if I wanted to do something different. True. It, it's, it's very... Uh... It's very hard to kind of come up with your own setup, especially when you're trying to like build a visual for a studio setup. Even though I don't know, I think most of the people are listening to us through podcast. But yeah, if if you ever check out our YouTube, you can see our 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 little visuals we try to throw up for you guys. I'm actually yeah. even today myself. I'm uh, if you look at my setup, I'm utilizing the same setup I always do, but I do have uh, a few more features with my screen this week, so you can actually see a few visuals from the screen and maybe maybe one or two you might get a laugh out of later yeah i'm almost starting to think maybe if we are getting more of a podcast audience that's all wonderful you know keep keep on listening keep putting us on your iphones and androids and uh flip phones for those of you who are older enough but um i'm wondering if maybe we should do more visually exclusive things uh on the channel you know like I don't know, maybe something where people would have to go ahead and go to YouTube to watch it as opposed to just listen to it. Like, I don't know. Thinking about like last week with our food episode, what if we did like some challenges? Some challenges? Yes. I mean, no, you're, you're, you're that he hasn't, your he hasn't said anything. Of, he hasn't said anything about this to me. This is, this is him announcing it to me on the show, on the podcast. So I can't really argue with him that. Please continue, Big O. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Jackass. All according to plan. But I was just thinking if we wanted to go ahead and maybe do something a little bit more visually pleasing rather than just the talking heads of us like that, um, would you be opposed to doing some sort of uh, summer-oriented challenge just to spice things up for the summer season? I might. Now, I should know, and I don't like uh, throwing away to our audience here, but uh, I remember this is not my full-time job. I have a full-time job that really steals up the better chunk of my full-time, and I get like more like a day and a half off, and it's all dedicated to this podcast. Like We tape the podcast, and then I use the rest of the day to do the audio for the podcast, and the next day, I start cutting up video for the rest of the week, and that's, that's my free time. So I'm definitely, I definitely want to get more content for our audience, but it's all going to depend on what free time I have to help make that content. 
well, of course, it wouldn't be anything outside of the norm. It would probably just be something that we would do while we do this. But it would probably be something that we record before or after we do the podcast. And then that way, it's all in the same time frame. And depending on the challenge, it will be that much more visually appealing and interesting. Uh, I, You know what? I always feel I need the preferences on what the challenge is going to be because when I used to do the podcast, Oh, I'm not telling you that yet. Yeah, me... You know, I might not agree to anything because I remember doing the film app stuff and they started uh, uh, pushing me into the challenges on there. And I remember at one point I almost ended up in drag. So <laughs> I, I'm a little cautious about when someone says, hey, let's record a challenge uh, for entertainment purposes. Not that there's anything wrong with dressing in drag. There isn't. No, but uh, I I don't want to do that, and I don't think a lot of people want to see that. For me. Well, again, we don't know who our audience is yet, <laughs> especially if they're in the uh, audio spectrum. So, I mean, they only know your voice. You know, who who knows what kind of hits we'd get if we went ahead and put you in more of a visually appealing to them look. Okay, so how how about I preference it like this then, since you're kind of uh i can't think of the word but kind of catching me a little off guard here you and i will talk about this more off air but since we've now put it out to the audience uh to anyone who is interested in this maybe go to our facebook page facebook.com slash jt big o and if you have any ideas for challenges that you would like to see me and big o compete in Throw it out there, and we'll de- definitely take them into consideration. Uh, yeah, uh, so we're talking about Space Force. and Yes, uh, now everyone that's actually listened to our episode from last week knows that this is something we talked about we were going to go ahead and do. Uh, per your request, uh, you had already watched the series. I went ahead and marathoned it this past week. And, yeah, so Space Force is a series that is on Netflix now. Uh, stars Steve Carell. It's uh, well, you explain the show a little bit better since you actually watched it and uh, wanted to talk more about it. Okay, so Space Force is about um, well, basically everyone knows about like how Trump announced that uh, we're going to create a new branch of the uh, the uh, the military called uh, the Space Force, which is basically taking some uh, some duties that was held by the Air Force and moving it over into its own branch. This show is pretty much the comical interpretation of creating that branch. And when I had originally heard about this show, it's a, it stars Steve Carell and he's as well the creator of it. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect. I thought it was going to be a total satire on this and totally taking the piss out of, uh, of this whole concept. But actually I thought it was very, very well done. Uh, pretty much the show is about this, uh, uh, and now it's actually been a week since I watched this. So now I'm trying to remember names of characters and stuff like that. Oh, and I don't have the information. I'm just going to say Steve Carell's character. Cause I can't, I don't have the character's name in front of my head. Uh, he is a four-star general. He was general Mark R. Naird. Yeah. Uh, general, uh, general Naird. And uh, he's just promoted to a four-star general and he thinks he's taking over the air force to find out that, He's not taking over the Air Force. He's being put in charge of creating the Space Force. 
And it's just sort of uh, his journey towards creating this over a period of a year. And then hilarity ensues. If the character reminds me very much of his character from uh, off uh, from uh, the office, Michael Scott. So it's if if you kind of like that character, the, think of uh, think of uh, General Nair as sort of a more down earth, smarter version of that character. Which of course is interesting to say, considering the show is created by Stephen Carell and Greg Daniels, who is responsible for The Office, Parks and Rec. Uh, as well as some things, um, you know, regarding uh, King of the Hill and uh, Simpsons at one point, which it does, I think humor-wise, it leans away from the Parks and Rec and Office humor and really leans more into like the almost cartoonish humor that you would probably see from like the Simpsons. Well, not really, not in my opinion, but you know, when you're dealing with this sort of concept, you can't really deal with the, the absolute norm, but I could see it. Like I could see his humor with this, with, uh, you can see a little bit of that parks and rec and office humor where it's, it's more down earth and friendly and stuff like that, as opposed to like where I thought it was going to go, which was totally off the walls. Yeah, it's it's a little more dry than you'd probably expect, but it's still to me very cartoony. Spoilers alert! Uh, but there is one scene uh, in the early episodes where you see a Chinese uh, space station or satellite come really close to, I guess, a satellite that was shot up by space force, and with its little pair of clippers, snips off the antennae or the panels that are on the satellite and then flies away. That, I find that, that to me, it's like, you know, some itchy and scratchy style ridiculousness. I feel like that was the most cartoony of everything I had seen at, to that point, to be fair. Okay. And then what about the stuff with the uh, monkey? All right. Af- after the first two episodes. <laughs> I, and the the exoskeletons were a little funny, but I don't know. It just it, there was a there was a few more wacky things in there. Like I said, they are the space force, so you get some of that more scientific uh, sci-fi stuff that might be close to future science. But yeah, I, I see a little bit more of the wackiness, but it still feels like a lot more down earth than I thought it would be. Maybe that's why that I think my expectations of it were a lot wackier than it turned out to be. And that's why I think I'm a little more grounded in my opinion. Which is fair. Uh, I, I looked into it as just, you know, knowing the cast that was involved, I was figuring it was probably going to be a little bit more um, character driven rather than plot driven. Like the plot itself is kind of like a little wink in some places, but the characters overall are really dynamic. Um, probably no more so than uh, John Malkovich's character, uh, Dr. Mallory. Mm-hmm. I love him. He was so just snarky. Oh my God. This, this is probably like the most entertaining I've seen him since like Con Air. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. You, uh, you actually, you put in your notes, uh, best John Malkovich performance in years. And I have to agree. It's, you know, he, he did a TV show not too long ago where he played like the pirate King or something like that. And it was considered, he was very wooden while acting in that. And just, it didn't fit him very well. Well, the last thing I saw him in, he was doing, um, 
what the 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 ABC murders or something like that. He was doing like a Hercule Poirot story where he was the detective. I think that was on like Amazon or something. But either way, it's to say like his performance here was great. Like any, I think I, I saw an interview with Steve Carell saying like, "Oh, we're getting John Malkovich. Is he gonna fit into here? Is he is he is he gonna like this? Is he gonna fit?" And uh, he fit very well. His uh, his performance was great in here. His comic timing was great here. Uh, I hope he continues on as this series goes forward. And of course, the point I was alluding to um, earlier was that the fact is, you know, it's John Malkovich as a very stoic, snarky, gay scientist, mm-hmm. which if he doesn't become an icon in himself, I don't know who else <laughs> will because he is just, he, he has such charm and yet you want to punch him in the face every time he talks. You know what? A lot of his performance is very similar to a lot of some of his other performances. It's just he gets he's just a very angry, soft-spoken man. But uh, mm. I, I would say if any character in this show is definitely a breakout character, it's definitely his character. He has probably the most interesting character there. Uh, though then again, uh, in, uh, in this very same way, Ben uh, Schwartz's character, which is Ben Schwartz being Ben Schwartz, like he is in almost every other one of his roles, is, as usual, also a very entertaining character to watch, and especially when uh, John Malkovich and Ben like kind of work off each other or their characters interact. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, you know, with Dr. Mallory, you almost want to punch him in the face just because he's always right to an extent. With Fuck Tony, who is uh, Ben <laughs> Schwartz's character, <laughs> you want to punch him just because he's a millennial. Yes. He is the uber-millennial. It's like, you don't understand it because you're just old. Yes. Oh, my God. And, and that's the thing. It's like, it's hard to see him do things and not think Sonic now. It's like, anytime he starts again a little quippy or he goes a little fast with some of his dialogue, I'm just like, slow down. Well, the problem with the, him is, again, his performances are very similar. And depending on where you first learned about him, I think that's what you're going to see. Now, you're saying Sonic because that's probably what you really watch. I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, oh, it's, uh, it's Dewey from uh, DuckTales. <laughs> and there's a few other times where I'm like, oh, it's uh, John Ralphio from uh, Parks and Rec. See, see, that's the thing. It's like I've never watched Office. I've never watched Parks and Rec. I just know about them through videos and memes and stuff of that nature. So I only know the more popular parts of these characters and of this comedy style. So that's why I'm probably leaning more towards the ridiculousness of the show rather than the nuances that you see that are comparable to Greg Daniels' other works. And I think maybe that's probably why there's a little bit of like dissidence in regards to the critics on the show. Because while I thought it was fine for what it was, I guess a lot of people probably had more expectation for the show considering the, uh, the resume that it had. And people are saying that it's just a little bit too ridiculous. I don't know. It's was this show what you expected it to be? No, I said that at the beginning. It was. Yeah. Uh, I expected it to be a lot more wacky than it actually turned out to be. Right. So it was actually well, but was it a a good uh, unexpected change, or do you think that they could have done better? I think it was a good unexpected change. I thought uh, the character that uh, of General Nair was going to be like this totally inept moron to say like, I can't believe we're starting a space force. 
and this is the guy in charge. And said, you know, like he has a lot of like really ignorant moments, but for the most part, he seems like he does have an intelligence to him. And I like when a character has that. Uh, I was always someone who hated like the inspector gadget type character, the person who is just a complete idiot and just keeps rolling into success. Mm-hmm. I kind of like more of the characters similar to uh, to uh, Sterling Archer, who is a col- totally idiotic inept individual but there's a genius to him hidden behind many many other layers and i kind of like nair for that too he he is a general and he is very uh ignorant and he does make a lot of very bad and annoying decisions but you know there's a humanity to him that makes me actually like the character yeah he's not incompetent he's simply flawed yes and i'd rather take someone who's flawed than totally incompetent Right, because then I think if you go with complete incompetence, then you're definitely leaning into the cartoonishness. But here it's simply an area of expertise that maybe people just wouldn't necessarily be familiar with. So it's kind of like a learning curve for the audience just as much as it is for the characters on screen. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the next season of this. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think, is there anything else I could really say about it? There, there seems to be a ton. Like I, I wish I had watched this just a few days ago, as opposed to a week ago, because I would have, it would have been more, more fresh in my head and I'd be able to say a lot more things about it. Uh, I mean, there's other characters there as well that I really enjoy, but as, as you watched through 28 episodes of our, uh, of our podcast now, I don't remember anyone's names cause I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> Well, okay, let me, let me fill in some gaps then. Um, Lisa Kudrow, I feel, is heavily underutilized. Like, I think that was done on purpose, though. I almost feel like, why would you have a, someone as big of a name as her in a role that only shows up once in a while? And I'm thinking she either had something else lined up or, I don't know. I figured she had something else lined up, and that's why her character was in that position. Right, but it's one of those things where it's almost like, if you didn't get that big of a name for that character, would anyone care? Um, I think in terms of the story, it would have still worked fine. But yeah, I, I guess you did kind of need a name to make that kind of work a little bit more. Maybe. Yeah, whereas uh, someone like uh, Diana Silvers, who plays uh, Nared's daughter, uh, she's a person on the rise, but I kind of feel like you could have put any actress in that role and it oh, would have yeah, been just it's... fine. Like I don't really see a lot of silvers coming through on the screen as opposed to like other things she's done like ma or book smart or things of that nature. Yeah. I'm sorry to say this. Uh, this is the first thing I've seen her in and I don't, oh, you didn't see her in the other stuff. No, I didn't. Cause I didn't watch the other stuff. Um, ah. So I, no, uh, this is the first thing I've seen her in and I almost thought it was the first thing I saw her in because her, I I don't want to keep being an asshole throughout this entire episode. I feel bad, but I thought her acting was very wooden. Yeah, that, well, that's the thing. It's like they, it's almost like they didn't really give much for her to do, and rightfully so because the show is not necessarily about her. But but she's a know, main character. For, yeah, but for her being like the uh, the the Gen Z character of the show and just being like, oh, I'm 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 the youthful one. I'm the kid. 
uh, there's really more that they probably could have done. But in that same respect, the character is so minute to many of the things that are going on in the main storyline with Nerd, with Mallory, that it really didn't matter who you got for that. Yeah, it didn't. Um, I don't know. Maybe with with some of the names that came in, maybe it's because they just wanted to work on a show similar to this, thinking it might be something down the road. But I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't overly impressed with her. Maybe I should need to watch some of the other stuff to to see what she's really capable of. But here, yeah, and like you said, maybe maybe she wasn't given that much direction because maybe they didn't care as much about that character. But right, there, there wasn't a again, lot of it was a main character. What you did. Where's the wash? What? Comparatively, when you look at the very first few scenes of the show and you have like the, the joint chiefs all ground together, you're bringing in uh, Patrick Warburton, you're bringing in Jane Lynch, you're bringing in heavy hitters of comedy. Yeah, but the minute I saw them and they're all in that room, I'm like, they're only going to show up once in the blue moon. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what you're doing with that. You're, you're using that for like, you know, the boom factor for like, oh, wow. Okay. First five minutes. Yeah. You know, get people interested. And how many times do they show up? Maybe uh, three times in the entire series? A handful of times, yeah. But when they did, it was gold. I feel so bad for the Coast Guard guy. Oh, my God. They shit on him <laughs> so bad. Uh, the poor Even, like, near the, uh, the, the guy in charge of the Coast Guard. Uh, he's like, well, we're not in the last place now. It's like, no, you're still in last place. You're always going to be in last place. <laughs> Yeah, just 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 let it go. You're on boats. That's it. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on uh, on Space Force? Um, personally, I won't mind if a second season comes out of it, but it's one of those things where it's like I can't imagine how much further they can get into the subject matter without it really like jumping the shark. And I think that's pretty much my biggest worry with something like this. When you have this sort of like high concept sort of material, you always worry that they're going to go ahead and go a little bit extreme just because there isn't a set boundary on this sort of stuff. And my fear is if they do get the second season, they're just going to go above and beyond to the point where you're going to lose the audience that got based in it in the first place. Like as of right now, I don't even know if it's going to make sense for half the cast to come back considering the direction that they're going in. So it really remains to be seen what they would have plotted up for another 10 episodes. Yeah. If he, if he disappears and goes into hiding and the entire 10 episodes is dedicated to him in hiding, by the way, I'm giving a spoiler here. He runs away at the end of the, well, to be fair, I did say spoilers way before. So if they didn't aware but I don't want to see uh, General Nair in hiding for, like, I like the ensemble they had, and I like the fact they were building the Space Force. If I didn't like any episodes, I probably didn't like the finale, and I didn't like the direction they kind of went. I thought that was, that was kind of out of nowhere. It wasn't really comedy. It's, I, I, and I, I, think, I think it was too soon. If you wanted to go with, uh, some direction like that, I think that maybe it would have been good to wait another two seasons or so. And like start establishing the the series a little bit more. Yeah, that coup came quick. Yeah, but and not to mention, you know, the whole entire thing was uh, like uh, basically uh, General Nair uh, disobeys direct orders, and he's like, "We're not going to go to war with them. That's going to be breaking a treaty." And blah blah blah. 
And then like the characters you hate are like, well, we're going to go forward and we're going to fight them and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, this is such a terrible decision, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, it's like, oh, well, you know, that group was going to do that to you anyway. So it turns out the people who should be wrong may have been kind of right. And it's like, well, uh, now I'm confused. <laughs> and considering it's China, <laughs> oh, uh, ill-timed. It's like, we Ill-timed. should not do that to China. Oh, crap. Look what China just did to us. It, yeah. Again, maybe should have stayed a little more lighthearted, should have continued the build of the show instead of going straight for that. Maybe. That's what I'm going to say um, most definitively. If there is a second season of this show and it happens in a post-Trump presidency and a post-COVID-19 world, I am really going to be interested to see what they do with the chain of command with the, um, the quote-unquote war with China on the moon, I'm really going to see how they like, take care of it with kid gloves. Because this could either go very well, or it could really piss off more people than JT has this episode. <laughs> I hate you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's probably an episode where it's just going to be a Zoom, and that'll be the entire war room with all of them in their own little boxes. And you get to look at the background and what they have in their offices. Oh, God, yeah, no, I would love to see a Zoom episode with them just because, like, again, if you get the Joint Chiefs together, that's going to be funny. Oh, all right, like, that's available now on Netflix. Uh, We're not a sponsor of Netflix, so I don't care. If you want to steal their account, go for it. Um, If Netflix, if you don't want me promoting that, then maybe. uh, uh, But from there, you can check out Netflix right now. So. Damn, JT trying to grift people. All right. Yes, a little bit. I don't know how to do a segue in this. PS5. <laughs> well, not everything needs a segue because it's rare that we talk about gaming, but oh my God, uh, this, this, um, this dog and pony show that PS5 put on this week. Yes. Um, now, all transparency aside, I am a PlayStation member. I am a PS4 owner. I was a PS3 member. I was a PS2 member. Never had the original. But uh, PlayStation has been my go-to console. So seeing stuff for the next generation, especially when Xbox uh, One has already come out and has been a thing, it's nice to see PlayStation finally going ahead and doing their thing. I have some thoughts. Okay. First of all, what is up with that design? It's the same design that they used for the sling. I realized that when, so if you're watching the video version of this, I have it uh, on our full screen here, and I was staring at this a little earlier. They literally stole that from Sling, because that is the Sling box design. It's just such a weird choice, considering the aesthetics that they've gone with the previous versions, especially the BS4, which, mind you, yes, was probably a little bit more um, parallel or Grammy, but this just seems like, like, okay, there were enough memes going around that I saw when that was first shown where you have it shooting up vertically and a lot of people are putting like uh, the, um, the eye of Sauron on top of the yes. damn thing. Cause it looks like the damn thing from uh, Lord of the Rings with the little like pieces going up on the side. Yeah. I've also seen M bison with it painted red and I've seen this color format with the white with the uh, Kabaya or whatever his name was from Yu-Gi-Oh. 
You know what I thought when I saw, first saw it? I thought it looked like one of those like yardstick glasses that you see people drinking out of on spring break with like, you know, the little V up to the top and the long stem. Mm, not really. Okay. So I'm an alcoholic. That's fine. <laughs> but the, the point is it, you know, credit where credit's due, they're being a little more artistic with their design, whether it be for the console itself or the controller. But I just don't know if it really makes that much sense to do that. Like, I, I guess they want, want some different because the, the remote's been the same design since 95. The, uh, the, they've had the same sort of uh, black design since the PS2 days. I don't yeah, but the really thing is, when you see that though. white, you're automatically thinking Xbox, I think. A lot of people are, have attributed the white console to being the Xbox console, even though right now that's not the case. I don't think they really had... Uh, well, I mean, like I think the Xbox One had a white design, but primarily the last one that was really associated with uh, the white design was, I think, the 360, correct? Yes. So, I don't know. It's... Who's to say, like, who owns a color scheme? Um, The first PlayStation was gray, just like Nintendo's color schemes were for many years until maybe the last few. Right. I'd say between Xbox and PS, they've pretty much stayed monochromatic. The only colorful one has been Nintendo with its purples and blues and reds. And And Nintendo's just weird. (laughs) Yeah. Well... They're kid-like. You know, these consoles aren't necessarily made for just, like, you know, little kids and common gaming. You know, these are the two main consoles that are for, like, people that don't want to play on PC but still want to utilize that 4K television that they got. I'm, uh, you know, until yesterday, I was actually wondering about this because, you know, a lot of people are up in arms about this design and... I, I just find it weird that people are caring still so much about like consoles meant for your your television at home. Uh, because I'm a, I've been a PC guy and there's almost any game that you put on the PlayStation or on an Xbox, you can play on a PC and I just figure, why not play on the PC? But as someone pointed out to me yesterday, uh, someone with uh, uh, young children, or maybe not too young, teenager and a, and a slightly younger child, um, they don't even use a computer. So, like, unless they're doing schoolwork, they're playing on a phone or a tablet. So I I guess, like, this is for that generation who doesn't play with computers. But it's, it's, still, it's again, it's still weird to me. Like, you need this dedicated device when you could have a console, a computer that can play all these games anyway. Right. I, I think it's more the aesthetic of it because a computer has always been seen as, like, a work tool to a lot of people. I know there's obviously the gaming culture that, you know, lives on PC, whether it's League of Legends or Dota or something else, but computers themselves, PCs or Apples or whatever, they've always been seen as like, they've primarily seen these things as tools, as workplace uh, accompaniments. You know, uh, people will see a computer and they'll think of it as like something you find in the cubicle. Whereas consoles have always been attributed to more of the entertainment realm as something that you put in for fun, uh, for visual entertainment. 
and the, and the uh, I, I agree with you with that. Like, uh, I you know I always I'm looking up the history of the uh, the original NES right now. Or well, a while back I did this. I was I was like not even one yet when the NES came out, so I didn't know what was going on back then. I've only been told by people and what I read. But apparently, like, the whole entire design and everything was meant to attract people to want to buy it. Like, it was designed to look like a VCR because people didn't really want to buy just a video game system. And I guess in the same way, now that video games are more a part of our culture than it was 35 years ago, now people, they want a dedicated system to video games as opposed to a big freaking computer that you would need to play these otherwise but yeah and I, I guess i can't disagree with that like i said my original point was that i didn't understand it but i guess i do now but then you're everyone's now fighting over the aesthetic of it and it's just i, I people just find controversy in everything everything these days it's just weird to me it's like oh this design look at this awful design it's, again i've seen this design before i actually I personally kind of like this design. Uh, when I do eventually buy my PlayStation, which will be three years after it's come out because I'm a cheap bastard like that, <laughs> um, I won't mind having it. But the only thing I don't like about this design is it doesn't work in most people's setups. Like with me, I put everything flat. And that was one of the things I hated about the, the sling box was I couldn't really, I had to put it on top of everything else because I couldn't put anything on top of it. And that'll be the same thing here with the PlayStation. Uh, with the PS4, I had that with my TV, and I have like a mini computer and uh, NES, not an NES, a uh, Switch on top of that. This, this is now like, I, I would have to figure out how to redo my setup now. Yeah, it's not um, form-pleasing, but certainly it's creative-looking. And I'm not going to necessarily knock on the look of it, because it certainly looks at like, at least futuristic. It looks like a step up from what we've gotten already. Um, my only question is how much is it really going to be and whether or not I get the uh, disc version or the purely digital version, which of course they are offering both. But the thing for me is I use my uh, PlayStation 4 for practically almost everything. So whether it's for streaming, whether it's for game playing, whether it's for DVD, Blu-ray playing, it's all that one unit. Uh, so I would have to get the disc version, which I think is probably going to be the more expensive version, unfortunately. Uh, I, you know what? And I don't really use discs anymore. So that's a, that's a conversation in its own. We can have an entire topic on. Uh, I, I don't know the direction I go with this. I think in a few more years, uh, I don't know where discs are going to be. I know there's still its core audience of people who are afraid of not being able to own something. But I think eventually the, the companies are going to push everything out in terms of being able to control everything digitally. Yeah, that I'm not a fan of. I, I, I prefer to have my um, hard material, I guess you'd say. Uh, I, I don't necessarily like all my stuff being digital where someone could easily just like copy it, steal it, hack into it, that sort of stuff. Maybe that's the paranoid version of me, but I like my collection of movies. I am not trading that out for any time soon. And, you know, there's something to be said about actually having the physical game that you can go ahead and play it every time rather than worrying about having to free up enough memory 
to download it, which the download times, God help me if they're going to be bad still. Which, Hi. getting into that, um, have you taken a look at any of the games that have been premiered for the PS5? Not really. I know they've done some sort of demonstration to show off the visuals, but I don't know what actually games they're going to be releasing. Um, oh, except for uh, the Spider-Man game that has uh, Miles Morales. Oh, yeah. No, that looks good. Yeah, that it, looks really good. Is it going to be very similar to the, the last Spider-Man game? I mean, it's being done by the same people, but it's not going to be like a sequel or anything like that. It's going to be its own standalone game. It's just simply switching out the Peter Parker universe with the Miles Morales universe. So I'm sure there are going to be some aesthetics that are going to be different in regards to play style, uh, to the look of the city. Um, Definitely the plot's going to be different, of course. But it's pretty much more of like, instead of it being a sequel, it's almost like uh, the second part of an anthology series. You know? Think of it like that. Okay. I would definitely want to play it. Uh, there's a few titles actually that I saw that I'm really interested in. Um, we're getting another Ratchet and Clank game, which I am so souped for. I've actually never played a Ratchet and Clank, so I don't really have much comment about it. I always get those confused with like uh, Dax. I can't think of Dax that. and Jaxter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it was it was a strange time where it's like every platformer had to have like a main character and a sidekick. But Ratchet and Clank have been like PlayStation OGs for like the longest time. And I've always loved their games. So the fact that we're getting Ratchet and Clank uh, Rift Apart, it looks fantastic. I cannot wait to just like be button mashing through all the different weapons on that thing. Um, There's a few others, though, I would say outside of that. Uh, There's um, a new Resident Evil that's coming out. A Resident Evil Ain't Village, which looks completely freaky with its werewolves and such <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Ghostwire Tokyo Ghostwire Tokyo looks very nice it's like a very clean cut almost uh, Bioshocky type of game uh, first person well okay correct me if I'm wrong is first person shooter okay if you had just have like the hands in front of you uh yeah that, that okay, so then, yeah, it would be a first-person shooter uh, in that regard, where it's like everything's coming out of your hands, but you're doing like all the different, like, you know, uh, shocks and jutsus and stuff to, like, ghosts and goblins and stuff of that nature. So it's, like, really interesting that, you know, you're going to have, like, all this kind of, like, flowing visuals with all these different characters as opposed to it being more jerky and blocky that you've seen in other things. That'd be um, interesting. And outside of that, um, I guess the, the biggest title of the everything would probably be the new Horizon game, which I never played Horizon, but it looks just fantastic. It's, I think Horizon's probably taking the place of like God of War as far as like PlayStation titles are concerned. It's, it's, it's got that crisis effect right now. And what I mean by that is like a game that's purely based on the visuals. Like it looks stunning. But, like, will it hold up in a few years, gameplay-wise? Exactly, yeah. No, that remains to be seen. But it, I'm, I'm excited for it. I mean, yeah, there's a couple of titles that look janky. I don't need a sock, a Sackboy game. You know, I, we already had three of those with Little Big Planet. I don't need a standalone adventure. <laughs> I, the, one of the other reasons I don't immediately buy a brand-new video game system is because I want to wait for more titles to be released 
Uh, even when I bought the Switch, I think I didn't buy it till like six months to a year after it got it was out, just to wait for some more games I was into to come out. And I think the same thing will probably happen with the PlayStation. I'll be a little more excited to uh, wait wait this off a bit, see what other games come out, and see if it's worth it. But I don't know. Well, like they always the- say you never buy the console when it first comes out because it's going to be buggy, if nothing else. So that- you always wait for like the second or third edition. Yeah, there's also going to be hardware revisions, which always kind of happen. And PlayStation's kind of famous for that. Everyone remembers the the fat PS3 versus the skinny PS3. Uh, yeah, well, I don't care if my PS3 eats well or not. I just wanted to be able to work. Well, you remember, like the difference of it was uh, there was a lot of issues with the 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 bigger, clunkier one, and they had to re-release that later on as a slimmer version with a lot of improvements. Yeah, I, I've noticed that, but I'm I'm fine with my console as long as it looks like a console. I don't want it to look like a portable DVD player. Uh, I like I my know. clunky. I I don't know. I'm I'm o- I'm always trying to because I have so much tech. I'm always trying to figure out how to fit it all together. And this is like a I don't know where to put this. I mean, the Xbox design is not that great either, but it's easier to fit a a, a cube someplace than it is this thing yeah the xbox one do you remember um not talking about the xbox one the xbox x uh, series x which by the way what the hell is with xbox and all their crappy names it's microsoft i mean you're you're talking about a company that's done um you know windows multiple numbers multiple times they're not exactly the most creative in regards to labeling well the yeah, and I honestly, I didn't like... XP was fine. I didn't like Vista that much. But, you know, those names are better than, like... Let's see. It went Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox uh, One, which was the third console, but it was called One, and now Series X. Uh, the, the, you know Xbox what? If they want, is the important part of it all. Make, it, make, a, deal with Capcom, make a deal with Capcom to be for... Uh, Mega Man to be the first game on that console. Part of Series X. That would be intriguing. That, that's, a, that's a nice little marketing ploy there. But so you're going to hold off on buying one? Yeah, which, uh, which is what I normally do. I don't... I, I think the last time I bought a console, the minute it came out, was the Wii U, maybe? years. I, actually, you know, I think my entire life I've never bought a game console when it was the newest thing. I was in 1990 is when I got the NES. Mm-hmm. 1992 is when I got the Super NES, which was two years after it was released. Uh, the N64, I didn't get to like 98. Uh, yeah, so I'll probably wait off like another, I'll wait off like maybe two years or so. I, I The PS4, I think I just bought that year, uh, two, two or three years ago. Yeah, same. I, mine's actually um, a refurbished one that I got from Best Buy. The same so, thing. I think I got that for like what, two hundred fifty, two hundred seventy-five dollars. Yeah, and that and that's the other thing too. You either you buy it when it's brand new, when it's it, if we're lucky, they'll be three hundred. If uh, if we're unlucky, <laughs> oh, there's no way they're going to be three hundred. <laughs> no yeah. way. So this console could easily fall in that five to six hundred dollar price range, which no one ever really wants to buy from. I'm hearing seven fifty. <laughs> R.I.P. PS5. Uh, 
I mean, I'm sure true. they're going to do something different, but and there'll be bundles, I'm sure. But no, uh, if, if it if it hits seven fifty, like I don't know who would buy seven fifty. I mean, at that point, that's that's your PC market, and they're probably going to buy PC. You have to have some really awesome games to to convince them to buy a uh, a seven hundred and fifty dollar video game system. I don't know. I mean, if anyone can, you know, prove that people will spend money like that, I think iPhone did when they had their uh, iPhone X come out and it was like a thousand dollars. There's a lot still got it. There's a lot more you can do with an iPhone than you can with a, a PS5, and the really? and the iPhone goes in your pocket. <laughs> this thing you have to tether to your house with hopefully a landline because Wi-Fi always sucks on those. There's a webcomic years ago, and this is pretty much modern video game systems. This is what happens. People hear about all the exciting things you can do with a video game system. They go out to buy the video game system. They hook it up, and they start watching Netflix on it. And that's what they mostly do for 90% of the time. Uh, I think that'll be another case here, and no one's going to buy a $750 video streaming box. I mean, it remains to be seen. Lord knows enough people are getting enough money from unemployment that they have stuff to burn. So it depends on whether or not they hold on to it by the time Christmas time comes around. You know people who are getting money from uh, unemployment who can waste it on a video game system? I'm not saying I necessarily know anybody, but the mentality is certainly out there, I'm sure. Mm. Because I'm not trying to dime anybody out and being like, oh, well, they're collecting unemployment and they're just going to throw the money frivolously. I'm not trying to say anybody's going to do that per se, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but I'm sure there were some people out there that will go ahead and take that money and use it for nonsense. And certainly 750 for the brand new PS5 straight out of the gate with no fixings whatsoever would be nonsensical. At least get a bundle. Um, yeah, I have nothing else to add. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not going to get to the console. I certainly will, but I'm going to wait until they come out with like a one that's a little cheaper in price and uh, twice as much memory like I usually do. But until uh, that time comes, there's other things to be talking about in the world of entertainment, and I think that leads me into what? My 3 to C. Yes. All right. So once again, we are here with the three to see big O's three to see where I talk about all things past, present and future in the realm of movies. Uh, first topic I want to go ahead and just slide right out there for you. Uh, we have a little bit of an issue with theatrical releases. Once again, even though we are unsure that uh, COVID is going to be staying for the long term, but certainly there are theaters that are talking about opening up by July, primarily AMC plans on opening all theirs by July's time. Uh, a lot of that has been in regards to the release of uh, Tenant. Uh, now, unfortunately, it has been pushed back from its mid-July release and has now been placed on a uh, July 31st release, I believe. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, July 31st from July 17th. And the other big blockbuster movie that was supposed to be coming out this summer, um, Wonder Woman 1984, which was slated for an August 14th release, has now been pushed back 
all the way to October 2nd. So it will not even be part of the summer movie season this year. Uh, Unlike, you know, anything else that's probably coming up this summer. I don't know if there's really any other blockbusters that are going to be hitting. I think everything's either being pushed back to next year or is going to be coming out this fall. Well, a lot of the movies, uh, movie theaters aren't going to still open up till later this summer. So it's, that one sh- shocks me. I would figure push back some of the other lesser titles, but because I, I always kind of eyed Wonder Woman 84 as the, the big summer movie this year. Um, and it just seems like the stuff that they are going to push in front of it mm, is not some that stuff that overly interests me. I think this was the uh, Wonder Woman 84 was the only one I was really looking forward to. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that was pretty much like the big comic book movie that was going to be coming out, obviously. And it's become one of those things now that with that gone, I mean, obviously this is good for Tenant because Tenant now is pretty much the main um, surrealist movie that's going to be hitting. Um, you know, the, And of course, Christopher Nolan has a perfect track record when it comes to like releasing his movies in the summer. Um, I don't know competition-wise what's really out there. Now, mind you, there is one other movie coming out in July, at least, that may be able to give Tenet a run for its money, and that's Mulan, which is supposed to be slated for July 24th, provided that Disney doesn't push back on that date either, which, you know, given all things considered, they may very well do. Yeah, and I'm I'm starting to lose faith in Disney, as I will be discussing a lot more in one of your other topics at 3SA. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but especially when it comes to their remakes, like, you know, they haven't had a good track record so far with stuff like Beauty and the Beast and uh, The Lion King and Aladdin. Uh, so, you know, I haven't really been looking as as forward to Milan. I hear the story. They are moving very far away from what the animation was uh, 20 years ago, 23 years ago. I don't know, but it's it's not... It still hasn't been like on my top list of things I have to see in the, in the theaters at the moment. And I think part of that is because of all the other poor releases before it. Although I do find it interesting that they're pushing uh, Wonder Woman only back to October, which I think is smart, simply because you're going to probably want to have that uh, superhero lead up into like the Halloween season. I can see a lot of girls being wanting to dress up like Wonder Woman in like the next few weeks after that movie comes out, which is clever on their end. Uh, especially but, when you know you have Black Widow, the other major female-led superhero movie, not happening until probably sometime around Thanksgiving. Now and now that's that's again some shocking things. Is you know I didn't I don't think comic book movies have really died out too much. I still think they're the big blockbuster films. So to see more of these uh, comic book movies now being pushed to the fall season is very weird to me. I, I'm a Christopher I'm a Christopher Nolan fan, but I maybe it's just me. Maybe because I I, I saw Interstellar and I was like, eh. I never really I didn't see in, Inception, and I never looking at the trailers. I was never overly interested in seeing it. I'm and same thing. I, I have that same feeling with Tenet, and it's like, have you been hearing buzz? Do you think a lot of people are going to go out to, to see this in droves? It's one of those movies I think is probably going to be more of like a movie watcher's movie than something that's going to be good for the general public because it looks very heady. It yeah, looks and, very and, that's what he, and that's what he's really kind of known for is like the weird stuff. Like 
uh, all the way back to Memento, where it's like it's more artistic than it is entertaining. Yeah, and you know you can look at things like um, Dunkirk or uh, Inception, and you can say that you know the visuals are striking, but for something like this, it's not even so much that the visuals are striking; it's just that the visuals are weird and like the the whole time reversal thing. But again, that's that's always what he does. He's just these weird visuals. I, I, I'll tell you this: I I could tell you the basic plot of Interstellar. I couldn't tell you the movie scene by scene because that it was weird. Like a lot of right. those films. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like I think um, the visuals are usually like some of the initial investment for a Christopher Nolan movie, and then obviously there's the more hardcore fans that know his writing, that knows his story structure, and really want to go ahead and see how things turn out. Wait. I'm saying, as far as like a general audience the first big movie that's going to be coming into theaters that is going to be coming back when the theaters are supposedly open, that's going to drive you in. And it just seems like aside from the whole reversal stuff, it just looks like a typical action movie. Yeah. I think, I think the movie you really wanted to put in front would have been wonder woman because yeah. she's got name recognition. It is a sequel sequels. At least the second, the first sequel is known to do much better than the first movie. So it probably would have gotten a gigantic return. I don't know. I Have I made comments about Warner Brothers in the past and bad decisions? I think I just said it about Universal. I, I think every like, time we talk about Warner Brothers, um, you know, there's usually bad decisions. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I, I, Scooby-Doo was fine, but uh, I don't know. With, the, with this, I think this, was, I think this was another bad decision on their part. Then again, what what can I say to the company that's using $20 million to redo a film that they released two years ago? Yeah, we're not going to get back on the Snyder Cut. I know <laughs> how you feel about the Snyder Cut. You were talking about Wonder Woman. She's involved with that, kind of. Um, but I don't know. I'm I'm actually, I'm again, I'm very looking forward to it. Maybe it'll be the, uh, the highest grossing October movie ever. Because I can't think of a really big movie that's ever been released in October. Like you can talk about horror films and stuff, but not not a regular genre film. Uh, not that comic books are a regular genre film, but well, yeah. I, when you think October, you usually think like you know more scary or darker based movies, whether it be Halloween or Venom or Joker. So and maybe that's why they're deciding to go with October because they saw the success of Joker in October. So they're probably thinking Lightning might strike twice for another Warner Brothers property, even though. Joker and Wonder Woman are like, you know, totally different films. End of the spectrum. I, you know what, maybe it might work. You know, uh, I think the industry has changed so much to say what is the norm isn't correct anymore. At one point in time, I tell you the, the two biggest times to release a film is either going to be during the, the end of the holiday season in November and December or throughout the summer, which would be from the start of May to uh to the mid eight uh august section but now like they release the movies all over the place and they do well no matter where you put them well i mean i can tell you what the um competition is going to look like for wonder woman at this point just real quick right off the bat uh currently uh slated whether or not these will change we don't know until the future comes but as of right now uh it looks like it's going to be alone on its october 2nd weekend Following it, 
would be uh, Death on the Nile, the next uh, Kenneth Branagh, Hercule Poirot movie, uh, The Witches, which is the remake of the, um, you know, Roald Dahl story that we know from like the 90s with like, you know, Angelica Houston, they're remaking that. Uh, Robert Zemeckis is behind the wheel on that one. And Halloween Kills follows the weekend after. So that's going to be the next movie in the rebooted Halloween franchise from a couple of years ago. So kind of stiff competition up against the comic book movie, but at least starting off the month rather than coming in somewhere in the middle. All right, so moving on to the next subject, trailers. So we actually did get a few good trailers coming out. Um, some of them for more streaming network uh, fare, and like uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's new movie, uh, 7500, where it's pretty much him as a pilot uh, you know, with terrorists on board, and he's just locked in the cockpit. So it's going to be a nice little solo act for him, which, you know, does look a little interesting. And, of course, there's also uh, the, the Eurovision Song Competition uh, movie that's going to be coming out on Netflix with uh, Will Ferrell and uh, Rachel McAdams. Um, that looks like it could be good. I've always liked Will Ferrell when it comes to like, him really portraying odd characters. Like, you look at stuff like Ricky Bobby and you look at stuff like Ron Burgundy, I like his character work. Here, yes, he is playing, um, you know, Icelandic. So it's got like a Bjork sort of feel to the voice. But it, it could be good. It could be good. At least we've seen Netflix with comedies when they get like those people who have done comedy in the past and who are maybe a little bit past their prime now. They somehow still do well on Netflix. Just look at Am Sandler and David Spade and all them. So it could play well for them. However... The big trailer of the week would probably have to be a movie that is supposed to be coming out in theaters mid-August. Bill and Ted Face the Music. Which I want to say I'm excited for. However, this looks so much like a straight-to-VOD kind of movie. Yeah, it does. It's, uh, you know, for a film that we've been, and I'm using quotations here, waiting for for uh, 30 years. I think the last one came out was either, in, it was around the same time as uh, as Terminator 2, so around 91, so 29 yeah. years. Um, this does not look good. And I hate to say it, uh, Keanu Reeves has been accused of being a wooden actor. But from what I'm seeing in this trailer, he looks like he's really just phoning it in. Yeah, that definitely. Um, Alex Winter, I think, is putting in more in the trailer. I think he has a lot more to lose here. That's why he's probably doing. When's the last time you've heard from him? Uh, actually, I was keen enough to meet him uh, quite a few years ago at Monster Mania over here in Jersey. I have a picture with him. Um, but well, I mean, movie wise, Winter, he's done. Yeah, it is. It really is. But it's one of those things where he's been fine working behind the camera. He's been fine being a director and stuff like that. So for him to be coming out back onto the limelight, being in front of the camera and still giving me a little bit more enthusiasm and charisma than Keanu fucking Reeves. That says something in itself. Yeah, it's 
I mean, it's it's the character always had this stoner feel to it, but it's like Keanu Reeves is just like really not into it. He's he's got the deep voice he was using for John Wick here, um, <laughs> and I think that's the other thing that hurts him. So far, we've seen him as such an action person in like the past decade or so that to go ahead and see him in like a a, a salmon colored button down trying to be like his normal goofy idiot self that he was it's not coming through at least not in the trailer but it's definitely not coming through uh what's the name of the nerd from uh from uh uh 16 candles i can't ducky? no 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 not, no no that, not ducky. that's pretty in pink um i'm trying to remember the actor's name and now i can't remember it off the top of my head Hold on, hold on. I'm going to find it before you as we both go on to IMDb and start searching yes. completely. Uh, John Smith? Is it John Smith? No, uh, Anthony uh, Michael Hall. So, yeah, it, it's oh, almost... Oh, the, I thought you were wanting the character name. No, uh, so it's the equivalent of Anthony Michael Hall trying to play a nerd now that he's a super buff dude. Who is also someone I've met at Monster Mania and interviewed. <laughs> then again, so, the last week... The last thing I remember him from was 12 years ago from Batman uh, uh, from the Dark Knight where he was a, like a kidnapped prisoner. So maybe. But anyway, yeah. we're getting very off topic with this. Um, I, yeah, I wasn't overly impressed with the trailer. It doesn't seem like one of those films where it's like, yeah, I have to go out of my way to see it. It seems like it feels very much like Men in Black 3 did. Like, oh, we're doing it for the fans, but we're kind of uh, calling it in here too. Yeah, and mind you, I know that they've got like daughters who are being played by act like prominent actors. I know Samara Weaving is uh, actually in the movie, so that's always good. I like her, but um, it's going to be one of those things where I almost kind of wonder how much Bill and Ted are actually going to be in the movie, and maybe whether or not the kids are going to take over a little bit. I think from what I had heard, it sounded like that was the plan, but. I don't know how true it was. I, in fact, was going to ask you if it was true. Um, no, no. But I do know that the the kids, uh, they're basically like little Bill and little Ted. Like Bill named their kid Ted and Ted named the kid Bill. So it could be an offset somehow that way. I don't know. I'm really hoping it's not because if they do that, that is going to piss off the fans so badly. Yeah. But again, it's, it's for a series that's been kind of dead for 29 years anyway so what fans are really left of that yeah but i mean i'm sure there's gonna be enough nostalgic people that if it, if it does go into theaters that people will go they'll show out the money and they'll play it because nostalgia sells and it's just one of those things where it's like i'm hoping there's at least another trailer from now until the movie comes out that maybe showcases a little bit more of what to expect because with this teaser i'm not getting that yeah i'm not I'm not really looking forward to the direction they're going into. It looks like a lot of fan service, but maybe uh, this this soda tastes a little flat to me. Any thoughts on the other two movies uh, trailers? Nope. No, no, no love for either of them. I'm not a big Will Ferrell fan, and I already forgot what the other one was. Oh, poor Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I he's a he's a good filmmaker, but. I'm not into his movies. I'm sorry. I, I know what I like. He did one based on Jersey. And I've seen a few movies based on Jersey that I probably never watch again. Just because uh, you're from Jersey doesn't mean you have to like everything from Jersey. 
That's commie talk. <laughs> That's commie talk. Uh, uh, but it's true. Um, all right. So talking into about- the third topic of conversation. Yeah. And I know this is one that you definitely wanted to talk about. I did until the next day. Yeah. Uh, so while there were a few movies that did come out this weekend uh, on video on demand and on streaming, uh, primarily uh, The King of Staten Island, uh, The Five Bloods, which of course I will have personal reviews for them uh, sometime this week. Uh, there was one movie that came out this week that both me and JT agreed that we would go ahead and talk about on today. And that is Disney Plus's Artemis Fowl. So, uh, years ago, there was an episode of The Simpsons um, in which Homer was uh, test-tasting chili. Like, this was a thing, and he was known as a a legendary chili eater, uh, to the point that uh, in the episode, he had his own special spoon that he would taste the chili in. And when this uh, spoon is... He whittled it down from a bigger spoon. Yeah, so they have it them all surrounded and as uh ryan just kind of said he put basically homer pulls out the spoon and lenny who's in this crowd leans over to carl and says they say that he carved out that spoon from a much bigger spoon so when i was a kid though i misheard that line and how i had originally heard it was they say he carved that spoon from a much better spoon and that was the line that was stuck in my head for maybe 22 years. I could see how you would confuse that. So I took a long time to, I'll be honest, I didn't even finish Artemis Fowl. <gasps> the first day I watched the first 15 minutes as like I'm tapping out for the night. And then the next day, which was yesterday, I was like, all right, let me try to finish this. And I made it another 10 minutes in and I was like, no. And to go back to the analogy I just said, why I brought up that Simpson episode, they feels like they, they carved this story from a much better story. This was not good. <laughs> it's, it, I think one reviewer said it best if you don't know anything about Artemis Fowl, you're going to be very, very confused. And if you are very familiar with Artemis Fowl, you are going to be pissed off. And as someone who is at least familiar with the first two books, this sucked. Yeah, obviously the big point of contention with the, the Artemis Fowl movie is how much it differs from the source material, especially in regards to the main character, who is in the books portrayed more as an actual villain as opposed to the overly smart anti-hero that we get in the movie. Yes. And and I think it goes a little deeper into that, but yeah, that that's part one of it. Um, And then like, you know, how they move around other characters, they, uh, they removed his mother completely from the story. They Mm -hmm. put a more emphasis on his father. And instead of the character of Artemis, who in the books discovers the world of fairies they instead said like well this is like the family business his father knew about it and that's how uh, artemis knows about it um it's just i think while it's a very simple story uh the ones of artemis fowl it's a children's book i think they're the world that they designed there is so interconnected that trying to rip it apart and 
piece back together the parts that you like, they don't work out that well. And I think this movie showed it. It really should have been told as the original story. Yeah, and of course, there was a, another point of contention where people were saying that uh, Disney decided to change the story because they didn't believe in a 12-year-old villain, which for Disney to say something like that is kind of ridiculous. Yes, because considering any, anyone who's ever watched uh, Toy Story. Um, yeah, Sid. Sid is just a bastard, but I mean, but I technically it, that's Pixar, so maybe you can't count that as Disney. I don't know, but... Because it's, I think it's also a weird concept for a lot of people to have a protagonist who is a villain. So pretty much you're behind the villain the whole entire story. And I think with this, they're like, well, we want like we want a character that like people want to be, and they're not going to want to be Artemis. Um, I think this is maybe this is why it was in development hell for years because no one could decide. Like someone said, like, oh yeah, this book is popular. Let's make it in a movie. And then once they realized what the book was about, they're like, well, we don't really want to make a movie about that. Maybe we can tweak it a bit. And we saw their tweak sucked. Yeah. Now. There are a few points that I want to play devil's advocate with in regards to the movie, mm-hmm. if you'll allow me. Uh, one of the things is it is based in Ireland. So, of course, my Irish okay, ass yeah. is going to love it regardless, to, just for that point. Uh-huh. Um, I've always been a fan of Irish mythology. I think there are quite a few things that uh, you know could really be uh, sired from the location and the mythology. Although, yes, Disney has not exactly had the best track record with portraying any of the Irish uh, mythology, whether you look at Darby O'Gill and the Little People or, um, you know, that one Disney Channel movie where the kid finds out he's part leprechaun, mm-hmm. uh, stuff of that nature. Although DuckTales probably does a little bit more justice to the uh, Scottish-Irish lineages. Second of all, the main character of Artemis Fowl is played by a kid named uh, Ferdia Shaw, which this is his first movie ever. If you look on his IMDb, this is it. This is his credits. So for that kid to be pushed into the leading role of a possible franchise movie based off of a beloved movie, a uh, book series, I can imagine the nerves that were going through his head, thus showing in the rather stiff, non-expressional portrayal that you got from him. So I almost feel bad for the kid rather than denouncing his portrayal of the character. So what about in a case like Daniel Radcliffe, which that was, I believe, also one of his very first movies, if not his first movie, and... Did a pretty good job, I think, in Harry Potter. Yes, but also I think the fact that you and have also more wouldn't of, it uh, be the job of the uh, the casting director to be able to make a decision on these people and decide like this is a person's going to be fit for the role? I only saw again the first twenty seven minutes, but I remember one scene there, and this is one of the things that turned me off a lot was there was dialogue between him and the character of Juliet, which is. Uh, a 12 year old bodyguard who's also on the side of Artemis and the entire dialogue is spoken in a very weird way. Whereas normally you would either have 
a voiceover where you're basically you're looking at all these scenes and then you hear the characters talking or of course a regular scene where you're looking at the character talk they are they had this weird thing where they're in a, a living room area mm-hmm. and it would be the camera would be on artemis but you hear juliet speaking and then the camera would cut over to some sort of other shot maybe either juliet or something else and but then you would hear artemis speaking off camera and then it would go back to artemis doing something after artemis is done speaking and be Ju- and they did this for an entire like scene for a minute or two minutes and it's like did these char- did these actors have such a bad one-on-one on-camera interaction that they couldn't show the footage because that's what it came off like to me. I think that may be part of it. I, th- I purposely think they did some of the editing and some of the angles that they did in order to take the camera off of Shaw so that this way his portrayal wasn't as highly noticed. Because, I mean, if you look at a lot of the dialogue that he does, either he's looking away from the camera or he's off camera and it's voiceover, there's a lot of dialogue where he's just like streaming through things. And probably the most convincing scenes that he does have is when he's wearing the sunglasses where you can't even see his eyes. And so he looks more emotionless with the glasses on than he does without. But when you just look straight at his face and you see him doing dialogue, it's like deadpan. So I think they did that on purpose in order to keep it going without too much being alluded to the fact that the kid was probably scared shitless in regards to everything he was doing and really didn't know how to emote. But, you know, you, you had him and then what little I saw Julia and even Holly short didn't, wasn't the greatest actor. Now, again, when you're working with kids, uh, I can understand giving them some leeway, but this is a major blockbuster picture. I don't want you to, to torture kids on a set. But you, you really, like, how this movie's been in development for 17 years. You, you couldn't take the time to really pick out a good cast? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I liked Holly Short for what she was. I think she did a better job than, uh, you know, Fowl's character. And, but, and, you know, just saying for what she was, you recognize that she wasn't really good either. No, because her character was pretty much almost an archetype of any kind of authority figure who has to go against orders in order to clear her father. You've seen that trope so many times. Which, by the way, was not her character in the, in the original stories. I don't know if her father was introduced in a, in a later story, but her, her father was never introduced in earlier stories. They changed so much of it that they really had to build a whole bunch of really stupid... Uh, Stupid shit just to move stuff forward. Now, right. the original plot was, uh, did you read the books or listen to them or anything? I, I skimmed through the cliff notes. I didn't get a chance to read them. Okay. So in the original story, how the, the same thing happened. I, I, I do know what happened in the movie. On, uh, when she goes to the tree in the movie, spoiler, by the way, she it, she's grabbing the badge of I think her father or something like that, or she was tricked to meeting uh, her father or remains of something like that. Mm-hmm. In the book, what it was is they all have a certain level of magic, all these magical creatures, and if they get too low, then they're not able to do magic, so they can't hide themselves, they can't uh, heal themselves, etc. 
So apparently you have to, the character, the characters in the book would every so often have to go to like this tree in order to rejuvenate their magic. And Holly Short at this point had not done that. So she fights the troll off in the, in the book as well, but she's totally drained of magic afterwards and Root orders her to go to the tree to recharge where Artemis is waiting to kidnap her. And with her, without her magic, he's able to very easily defeat her and imprison her. And that was, that's a simple enough of a plot. I don't know why they couldn't keep that in there as well. Like she fought the troll in the movie. Uh, just keep, let them keep their magic and use that same exact plot line. And it would have made a lot more sense than trying to shoehorn a father figure in there that was dead. <laughs> now, two points of contention that I really just couldn't stand in the movie. One, now you would know better than I would. Uh, the whole world of the fairies and spirits and all of them and the dwarves and all that, is it supposed to look like Wakanda? How so? With all the hover cars and futuristic aspects. Yeah, there's, their technology is supposed to be uh, far more advanced than ours. So they do have the magical stuff, but they also have a lot of very advanced technology. Uh, the character of Foley in there is one of the people who've designed a lot of that stuff. Right, because to me it just seemed like there was so much more sci-fi oriented stuff as opposed to like magic oriented stuff which i would have preferred to have actually seen more magic when we're talking about irish mythology rather than you know everyone's got like a, a jet pack with wings and again that's that's something that i saw as well now in the in the books too they also had jet packs but they did have a lot of magic to them uh the way they stayed invisible was their magical powers it wasn't a device or anything like that and they were able to erase uh, people's minds also using magic. Um, I think, I feel like there's, that stuff didn't really bother me as much. I feel that that is the kind of the, the land that they kind of built there. But to that respect, uh, it almost seemed like they were trying to make this like a Marvel movie as opposed to its own individual entity. That I did feel like. I feel like they were trying to make this like either the next, not if if not the next Marvel, the next Harry Potter. Um, and is it's really that that's not the story, and it's not the direction that they should have gone with this. Um, now the other point, I this just irked me to no end. Josh Gad should not have been cast in that role. I don't mind as they a mulch. I don't mind if they casted him in that role. I more in the fact that they decided like, well, we're going to keep him full size and we're just going to make jokes about how he's a gigantic midget. It's uh, the, he's a dwarf. And even in the book, he was a regular sized dwarf. It's like, if you're going to go as far to build this entire magical land, shrink him down. Like they did in uh, snow white, that film from a few years back. Like, don't, don't try to like say, make a joke about like, Oh, he's a giant dwarf. It's just his look, uh, the voice that he was putting on. Like, there was nothing about this that says, oh, we need to get Josh Gad in this character. Like, I don't care if he's under contract with Disney as Olaf, just like, you know, Colin Farrell has obviously been under contract with Disney for, you know, the last few movies he's done. But there had to have been somebody else that you could have gotten in there. I actually, I think it was a... 
I was a little more bothered with uh, Judy Dench as uh, as Root because actually I loved her as this. I thought she I thought it was great that she was doing this. She in the book the character is supposed to be like almost like a middle aged gruffy male. Now I don't really mind that they recasted the part as a woman, but Judy Dench is quite a bit older, and even in this they had her riding around on a Segway. In the books, uh, Root was going to the point that he was actually in action for some of uh, some of the parts of the story, and I just I can't see them doing the same thing with Judy Dench. I, I don't think she's she's at a point where she could do a lot of those action scenes. Not not that there's going to be a sequel because there's not. But no, no, definitely not. But I actually enjoyed uh, Judy Dench's scene, at least with Judy Dench. You get someone that really commits to the role, whether when she was playing old Deuteronomy and Cats, she's had a weird year this year, uh, whether she was doing that or she's doing this. I, I felt the commitment from her to actually get herself into this character, whether it was with the, again, the gravelly voice, which I don't know why gravelly voices were a thing, or just her overall look and demeanor as like this old veteran. I liked that. That 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 definitely showed her as like a character actor. But then you compare it to whatever Josh Gad the fuck was doing. I just couldn't get behind that. I because he was an interesting character in the books, I thought they thought like, oh yeah, we'll just really emphasize on that. And I didn't like what they were doing with him. I didn't hate him in the role. I hated what they were doing with him in the role. Um and I'll, I'm going to say this. I'm not someone who normally complains about when a, a story differentiates in an adaptation. I'm usually fine with any type of adaptation. I just did not like this adaptation. And I didn't like what they were kind of trying to re-portray these characters as. In addition to just kind of chopping up the story. So a lot of what they were doing or a lot of what they were just didn't make sense. Like yeah, Judy I- Dench, I, like her portrayal of Root was pretty good but it's just i didn't see her kind of fitting in the that role for what i at least what i pictured what that character was supposed to be well that's the thing i think when you're comparing expectations from the book to a movie yes the man they start differentiating from the book you start to worry and while there have been obviously many interpretations of literary pieces i mean that's how disney made its bread and butter they were doing movie animated versions of classic uh, fairy tales and literature stories. So you'd figure they should be the people to do this right. However, when it comes to other novels and other books lately, when it comes to live action, Disney has completely missed the mark. Whether it's uh, the BFG, whether it's A Wrinkle in Time, whether it's the Alice in Wonderland live action movies, they, I don't know who does their live action book adaptation department but something needs to be done there because this was a movie that was supposed to be put out in theaters this summer this was supposed to be something that was going to be their midsummer filler uh you know after uh you know mulan came out and actually it wasn't came out was supposed to come this it wasn't supposed to be this and i think this is where you we could have seen that there was a sign of bad things um this movie was actually supposed to be released in november of 2019 the fact that originally originally so the fact that it got pushed all the way to the following summer, mm, I don't know if that was the best sign in the world. And still you get it on Disney Plus and yeah. it's this. Yeah. 
I, which I, I don't know I, if it's necessarily a good sign for Disney Plus either. I don't want Disney Plus to be the boneyard where bad movies that we're going to lose the company money are simply just thrown onto there. I know I've said this in past episodes, but I'm I'm just shocked at how disappointing uh, Disney Plus turned out to be. It's it's really not as for what the expectations of it was. It's just yeah, like you said, it's it's turning into a graveyard for all this other stuff and then a whole bunch of old stuff which after people are done rewatching are probably not going to watch again. Uh someone just did a list of the uh of the uh top 8 movies from Disney Plus from best to worst. This is already landed on the list at number 7 by the way. Uh No Noel is considered still worse than this. Um it wasn't so bad. You just got to watch it at Christmas time. If you don't watch it at Christmas time, yeah, it sucks. But yeah, I am looking at the others, and a lot of the others are documentaries and stuff. It's yeah, I, I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, uh I didn't care for this movie. Like I said, I only got uh twenty-seven minutes into a ninety minute film. I read the summary. I'm I was not impressed enough to watch it. I'm not gonna watch this. I'm I'll just end it there. I'm not gonna watch this. <laughs> well, as the person I guess that has watched this, um Take it with a grain of salt. Like if you're, if you're, if there, for any reason you could possibly have to watch this movie, make sure it's one of those things where it's like you put it on for little children so this way they keep quiet in the background. That's the only reason I could think of that you would want to push purposely put this on your screen. Yes. Hey, if you're a little kid, you probably watch this. That's about it. Uh, I think I'm done. <laughs> All right. Enough shitting on the poor movie. We again, we thank you again for listening to us on uh, for another episode of the JT and Big O podcast. Uh, again, you can always listen to us. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Podbean. New episodes released every Monday. You can also watch uh, segments and sometimes full episodes of our show on YouTube. You uh, and you can find all these links at uh, jtbigo.com. Uh, we will see you all again or listen to you all again or you'll listen to us. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Next week. Uh, Till then, I bid you all adieu. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>